0: Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of This Won't Teach You Anything. This week on the stream room, we'll be talking The Mandalorian on Disney Plus. Before we get into that, this past week has just wrapped up uh, the holidays of 2020. And I just, just saying it, 2020, 2020. Uh, I don't think there's any of us that are. Looking more forward to a year uh, being over than this one. I don't think there's probably anyone listening who's had uh, overall a more trying year. Just filled with uncertainty and and things. And, and hopefully here looking into 2021, uh, there's, there's better things on the horizon. Being that this episode is releasing on uh, January 1st, 2021... Some of you may be listening with a hangover or hangover, if that's the way you pronounce it. Apparently I go ahead and flub it when I try to, but uh, this may make it better, may make it worse depending on how this show goes. So if you're still listening, I assume that uh, there's somewhat of a Star Wars fan in you. Uh, As you know, Star Wars is a recurring theme on this won't teach you anything. It's, What's gotten me into my love for pop culture movies, so on and so forth, just a huge influence over uh, my a lot of entertainment interest in my life. I do uh, have the chance to ask a special guest, uh, Ashley Eckstein, the voice of Ahsoka Tano, a question, and so we'll be getting to that as well, uh, and how um, how she ties into uh, the Mandalorian. I will say that it was. Uh, they say don't meet your heroes. Um, Ashley Eckstein couldn't have been uh, a nicer person to talk to. And um, if you ever do get the chance to meet Ashley Eckstein, the voice of Ahsoka Tano, I highly recommend it. She won't uh, she won't uh, degrade your image of what a uh, a celebrity uh, can be as, as far as being a a, a genuine person. It's always nice when people exceed your expectations of, of them. I hope all of you did get a chance to connect with uh, loved ones over the holidays, uh, however you were able to. And again, we're all just looking forward and rooting for 2021 as a whole. So without further ado, let's go into the stream room. This week, we'll be talking The Mandalorian. I've been waiting for this one uh, to talk about this is going to be spoiler heavy. So if you haven't seen the Mandalorian or or are in the process of watching it, I would not listen to this episode until afterwards. I want to say starting off that the Mandalorian, not in and of itself has been a long time coming, but the concept of a star Wars television show has been a long time coming. There's been rumors of it since, um, 2009, I think, is when George Lucas uh, was making statements about uh, the development of a television show. And for one reason or another, I've heard different things. One of the main reasons I've heard was that it was going to be too expensive to produce up to uh, his standards of of quality. And so it just never really got off the ground. And it really took uh, the sale of Lucasfilm to Disney to get this uh, started and off the ground before the advent of streaming services, Netflix doing original programming and whatnot, uh, streaming looked like, you know, just reruns of, of TV and movies that had run their course in theater and things of that, you know, digital, digital DVDs, VHS, that type of thing. Netflix really changed it when they started doing their original programming. And then you had other players jump in the game. One of the things I think that that's interesting that we're seeing now is when Netflix developed their model, they were really the the only player in the game. The problem they're running into now is some of these other players have seen what they've done. I'm going to use Disney, obviously, as as the example. To especially with the acquisition of Marvel and Lucasfilm and and some of the things they already owned, they have a pretty extensive catalog of properties to go ahead and be able to fund Disney plus. And so movies that you would see on Netflix sometimes, especially anything Marvel related and star Wars have now either run their course or the contracts are running out to where they'll be going to Disney. Plus, and so it kind of forces Netflix hand to go ahead and keep pumping out original material. But, you know, a lot of that original material is mired in, in contracts that, that, um, I don't always understand. I, I look into, but, you know, you had the Marvel TV shows, which were kind of reflected, uh, goings on in the Marvel universe. And I don't mean agents of shield and, and things like that. I'm talking daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist and the Defenders. I, I do remember scenes in in Daredevil mentioning the event in New York City, which was to hint at the happenings of of the invasion of New York in the first Avengers movie. So now that Disney has pulled their properties as much as they can at the time being back into their own fold, it leaves voids for other streaming services, Amazon Prime. They're developing their own originals. They have been for a little while. So you have uh, some that are more TV-centered. Uh, Hulu would be one, but they do offer films. And then you've got some of the free streaming services as well. So there's just a lot out there. Um, where I'm going with this is now that Disney owns some of these big properties, Marvel, I mentioned again, Lucasfilm, They're able to do things that would have been cost prohibitive in the past. And now them owning industrial light and magic uh, who patented the technology of stagecraft, which is the way the Mandalorian films. If you've ever seen a behind the scenes documentary on some of these high budget uh, intensive CGI uh, background generated films, you know that you've seen green screens or blue screens. The Mandalorian the way that stagecraft works is it's a 360 degree high resolution digital screen that goes around. And so the actors are no longer acting in front of a green screen, having to imagine their, their surroundings. They're actually able to see their surroundings and it helps in the performance and the final product. So now with some of that background out of the way, uh, the showrunners for the show showrunner is John Favreau. And John Favreau, if you've never uh, heard of him you've you have seen him in in numerous films uh you'd probably know him most of you uh, especially people who are unfamiliar with films like Swingers or if you've seen Rudy um, you've seen him in that if you've seen any number of the Iron Man films and uh Avengers. In-game Spider-Man, Far From Home. Um, I believe Homecoming as well. He's Happy Hogan in those films. So, uh, John Favreau, having directed Iron Man 1 and 2, uh, has a huge amount of geek cred. And um, he's also directed... He was working on um, the Lion King, the remake, the, the photorealistic version. And he actually went to Kathleen Kennedy, the president of Lucasfilm and pitched this idea for this uh, television show. And she wanted him to go ahead and, and uh, get together with Dave Filoni, who if um, you're a star Wars fan, you know that name. And some of you may have just heard the name if you're Mandalorian fans, but his, his story is really interesting the way he got involved with star Wars. He was basically had an interview with uh, George Lucas and was pretty much hired on the spot uh, to go ahead and, and work on the Clone Wars uh, animated series. So Dave Filoni being involved in the Mandalorian is a huge win for us Star Wars fans, especially some fans who were just really disenfranchised by uh, the sequel trilogy. Uh, Interesting thing with, with all that, as I've mentioned before, the Star Wars fans can be the most toxic group of fans that that I've ever seen. And there's a large group of, of Star Wars fans that cannot stand the sequel trilogy. And I keep, I see it on message boards and, and in discussions on social media about Disney ruined Star Wars. Well, there really wasn't a whole lot going on with Star Wars at the time Disney took on Lucasfilm. So... Um, I think they forget that a lot of those people who didn't like the sequel trilogy are fans of rogue one and are fans of the Mandalorian. Well, guess what? Rogue one Mandalorian. Those things aren't happening. If Disney didn't acquire Lucasfilm back to Filoni and Favreau, they both worked together on the clone wars where uh, Favreau did a uh, voice for pre Vizsla, uh, a Mandalorian character in the clone wars. So, he and Felony had known each other before, and so when Kathleen Kennedy suggested they work together on this to flesh out this vision, uh, I, I think it was a welcome, uh, a, a welcome addition to uh, the team. So it was March 2018 when it was announced that there would be a Star Wars uh, series on the new Disney streaming network at launch. So uh, it was re- revealed later that year that the the series was called The Mandalorian, and the synopsis was basically a uh, a lone gunfighter kind of space western premise. So The Mandalorian being a standalone television streaming series uh, is huge for the Disney streaming network coming up. I know that was the main thing that brought me into the fold. Probably still would have gotten it at launch anyway, but the added promise of a Star Wars television show was just absolutely... Uh, too much to go ahead and, and and not be involved from day one. I think what Disney was doing here as well was it was going to be a testing market as well to see, you know, what else uh, could they do with it? Uh, there was always talk of doing Marvel shows uh, that took place between the movies and whatnot, but with Mandalorian being the first one out of the gate, there was a lot writing on it. Uh, it's huge success, and season one uh, introduced us to a whole different uh, group of characters than we were used to seeing in the films. So some of the locales were familiar, but uh, some of the alien races familiar, but the characters for the most part were new. And that's what I think brought so many people in is they were just looking for something fresh that felt familiar. So you had, uh, again, going back to the sequel films that Disney released the force awakens some people felt it was too familiar to uh, stories that had come before The last Jedi was too divisive, too different. And then the rise of Skywalker went back and became a little too familiar for some people's taste. And so that, that sequel trilogy and even the prequels before that, you know, again, driving division amongst the fan base, the Mandalorian with John Favreau and Dave Filoni on board, look to heal a bunch of that just by their, their straight nerd cred and, uh, star Wars, uh, love that they insert into this series. So the Mandalorian is basically a character that is a bounty hunter that goes through the galaxy, uh, one bounty at a time trying to in, you know, just, just make it to the next job, able to fuel the ship, uh, keep enough money to do those type of things and just move along. The series takes place five years after the end of return of the Jedi. And in that film, we saw the defeat of uh, the empire at the time uh, at the hands of Luke Skywalker, uh, redeeming his father and defeating emperor Palpatine. So now one of the things I think that the, the show did so well that, you know, a lot of people never really thought about is, Hey, you know, you defeat you cut off the head, what happens to the rest of the snake? Well, there's a void left over. Even though uh Emperor's gone, Darth Vader's gone, there's still a large portion of the empire out of there, out there. So this kind of shows the vacuum of what's happened. And then even uh you know the remnants of the the empire and the underworld and and what they're involved with and and why are they doing some of the things that they're doing so din Jaren, who we that's we learn his name as the series go on he's a mandalorian he takes a uh a, a bounty uh mission to go ahead and and retrieve um something and it, this something ends up being as as uh, the the world came to know him at first, baby Yoda. Later on, we learn his name, but he turns him over to the people who were looking for him and then really has second thoughts, which is a big no, no in the bounty hunter guild, but he just can't do it. And he goes back and retrieves a child, comes back to his people, the Mandalorians, and is told that this child is in his care as a foundling and in their culture, um, it's under his his care. And he's been tasked now with returning the child to his own kind. So we follow season one going through uh, one adventure to the next and really setting up things uh, for season two and a lot of the where the meat of the story comes in. We're introduced to uh, the... Supposed big bad in in this series and he's got something at the end of the series. It's a lightsaber. Like many people had never seen if they'd never tuned into the clone wars, but it's a black uh, lightsaber. It's called the dark saber. And just that, that little appearance you see of it at the end of season one um, is enough to send people who followed the clone wars animated series into a frenzy uh, because If you've seen that, then you understand the meaning of the Darksaber. It's explained and fleshed out a little more in Season 2, but just that teaser of it is enough to really get the fandom going. So coming in from Season 1 to Season 2, it's it's revealed that Grogu's powers that the Mandalorian doesn't understand are obviously, to the rest of us, Force powers. If you're a Star Wars fan and all, you understand that. If not, you're along with uh, Din... Jaron, the Mandalorian in wondering why can he move all this with, uh, just his hand and do these things. So his mission is to return him to a Jedi. Now the Mandalorian has no idea what a Jedi is. And so season two takes place with him, um, finding out what a Jedi is. And season two is also fantastic. One of those dream seasons of a show where there's just not a bad episode, um, and we get so many, um, so many things, so many treats handed to a, a Star Wars fans that have, have seen and, and, uh reviewed, uh, past work in the Star Wars universe. Again, I'm talking Clone Wars, the original trilogy, so on and so forth. Um, I, I think the first hint that I remember seeing in it and really going, Oh, Oh, this could be really cool is, uh, during season one, when, um, Fennec Shan played by Ming Na wing, uh, when is lying there dead and you hear somebody walking up to her and you just see the back of somebody walking up, but you it's what you hear. You hear spurs. Now, Original trilogy fans, a, a lot of them are going to associate that sound and how how big that is, how big of a moment that is, and what that could mean. Basically, again, I told you there was going to be spoilers here. The original trilogy, when Boba Fett was around, you heard spurs when he walked, so uh, that was kind of the first tip of the cap that we might see somebody who we thought died a long time ago. To us, in the in this universe, it would have been five, six-ish years ago that, that he would have died on screen in a really stupid way. Boba Fett, I always thought, was one of the more overrated characters in the Star Wars universe. Had cool armor, uh, like the Mandalorian, and did not much else in, in the film. So, I digress. Uh, so, anyway, that was the first uh, kind of tip of the cap that we might see some of these Characters uh, cameo from uh, previous uh, versions of of Star Wars and stories. Season 2 gave us a lot more. We run into characters from the Clone Wars. uh, Bo-Katan, who, interestingly enough, was voiced by Katie Sackhoff in um, the Clone Wars animated series. And is actually played uh, her in the flesh uh, by Katie Sackhoff in the... um, in in season two, so that was really cool to see. We also learn that uh, during season one, there's a big there's a big deal made about uh, the Mandalorian Din Djarin not removing his helmet in the presence of others. And in season two, you see Katie Sackoff's band of Mandalorians have no problem taking off their helmets in front of him, and he doesn't understand why they would do that, and they can't be true Mandalorians and whatnot, but. It's revealed that he's he belongs to a subset called the Children of the Watch, who have a different belief system, um, uh, of uh, Mandalorian belief system. So that's kind of how that's explained why he doesn't do that. But it also is is for a bigger payoff uh, a couple times in the uh, in the story of season two when you do see the helmet come off at a couple different points in the story. Another. Um, big payoff in this season and one that people had been waiting for, for a long time. Um, that Disney never really confirmed, but we kind of all knew it was coming by who was involved and whispers, but it, they did a really good job of not letting anything leak was the first in a, in-person appearance, live action appearance of the character of Ahsoka Tano. And in the clone wars, uh, we follow her from when she's 14 all the way up through Rebels uh, when she's full grown and um, has really developed as a character. So there's there's a lot of backstory and and uh, uh, Ahsoka's story itself already fleshed out. And in the the animated versions of the Star Wars universe, the Clone Wars and Rebels, uh, Ahsoka was brought to life. And I say brought to life, not just voiced by Ashley Eckstein, but really brought to life. Um, and if you, if you read anything about Ashley Eckstein, she is a real deal when it, when it comes to uh, Disney and star Wars fandom, she's, she's not just somebody who auditioned for a part they didn't care about. Uh, she actually is a Tano. And I say she is a Tano because so much of of what Ahsoka is is really uh, brought to life in the way that uh, Ashley voices her, and it, it it's almost like um like she puts a part of herself in Ahsoka uh, in in the performance. In the uh, television series, Ahsoka is played by uh, Rosario Dawson, who does a fantastic job. Uh, bringing her to life. And it was a high point of the season, but going back to Ashley Eckstein, uh, who has a clothing line called her universe for um, girls who want to be involved more in in the fandom. And there just wasn't the same amount of, of what Ashley thought uh, apparel and and things aimed at uh, young women and women in general, Uh, to get on board with their, their uh, fandom. Uh, She started this line and it's available at hot topic. I've seen it at box lunch, but uh, it's just refreshing to, you can tell when you hear Ahsoka and when you hear Ashley talk that, uh, that the character really means a lot to her. And I was fortunate enough to go ahead and be able to ask her a question. And here it is. Ashley. Hi, Andrew. Hey, how are you?
1: Oh, good. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. And I just want to tell you how cool it is to be able to talk to you right now. Oh, my God. I love your work. Thank you. I know that we don't have a lot of time, but I have a question for you.
1: Yeah, let's dive
0: in. To me, as a character, Ahsoka is one of the more interesting ones in uh, Star Wars. Ahsoka, for me, is one of the best developed characters in all of the Star Wars universe. And I think one of the things that helps that is that we really get to see her develop from a young age of 14 when she appears in the Clone Wars film through the series, up through Rebels, and to where she is in The Mandalorian. Your performance does nothing but help that. Um, it, it's clear that she's more than a character to you. It just shows you, – you really see in the in your performance and in interviews that you've given – that that Ahsoka is really a part of you. Yes. What in your mind is the reason that Ahsoka has become such a huge fan favorite?
1: I think Ahsoka is such a huge fan favorite because we've had so much time with her. Um, You know, there's like you said, there's very few characters where we get to be with them for so long and get to know them for so long. But I think truly the connection is that Ahsoka and Clone Wars is the eyes of the audience. So, we experience the Clone Wars through Ahsoka's eyes. And even though she's in a galaxy far, far away, um, the lessons she learns and the emotions she feels are very relatable to us here on Earth. Um, and I, I also we on purpose, we didn't point out her gender, um, or even her, you know, it, it was just Ahsoka was Anakin's Padawan. And so everyone related to her, whether it was, you know, female, male, um, everyone did, uh, you know, a transgender, everyone relates to Ahsoka. And I think everyone could put themselves in Ahsoka's shoes. And then also Ahsoka over time, um, to me, represents the light side of the force. I think Ahsoka is just so positive and she represents hope. And I think her her messages of hope and always finding the light and, and you know, turning away from darkness um, and always doing what's right and always helping each other, each other no matter what, I think inspires people. It's almost like Ahsoka is who we all want to be. And um, so, yeah, I, does that answer the question? <laughs>
0: It does. It absolutely answers my questions even better than I thought it would be.
1: Oh, thank you. Because I could gush. I could gush on that subject.
0: (laughs) Well, by all means, feel free to gush (laughs) as long as you want. I know we don't have a lot of time, but uh, thank you very much again. It it really means a lot for you taking the time to go ahead and answer that question. And it was uh, a pleasure. Oh,
1: thank you for your support. It means, means the world. Thank you, Andrew. Nice to meet you.
0: So you can see what I mean when they're not always right when they say don't meet your heroes. Uh, Ashley was nothing but kind, and it was it was a blast to just go ahead and spend a few minutes with her. Back to The Mandalorian, uh, again, so many things happening in season two, and without going into so much depth, you know, just the character introductions, we do get a redemption of sorts uh, for... Uh, Boba Fett, who I mentioned earlier, I thought was one of the more overrated characters in the Star Wars universe, but what they've done with him in the Mandalorian is, is nothing short of phenomenal. It's really engaging what they've done. And uh, Boba Fett will have his own series in uh, uh, December, 2021, the book of Boba Fett. But I think all of us can agree who have seen uh, season two. And again, if, if this hasn't been enough spoilers for you, this last one is huge. The last episode of season two brings us the return of Luke Skywalker. And it's nothing short of spectacular the way it's pulled off. Uh, there's always a little, a little, you know, grumbling amongst the community when you, you know, of, of the CGI use of, of a younger Luke and and whatnot, but all in all, it was pulled off spectacularly. I don't think there was, I never read any leaks about this. Um, we also get R2D2 showing up and it really left us with some, some great scenes, um, and, and open-ended questions about what happens now. And I think that's one of the great things about The Mandalorian is that a show that you can talk about in its quote-unquote off-season is one that really has people engaged. And it's a show I don't think that you you necessarily need to be a huge Star Wars fan to go ahead and enjoy. My wife um, has seen all the Star Wars uh, films, uh, mainly because she's married to me. On her own, she probably would have never saw them. She enjoys them well enough but there are there are movies she saw one time and and probably forgets most of it the mandalorian she really enjoys so um you know it's got a little something for everybody the harden fans the casual fans and people maybe it's their first introduction to the star wars so mandalorian i'm sure we'll talk about it later in the future uh episodes star wars always seems to come back Maybe after season three, maybe after the book of Boba Fett, um, Disney, uh, announced a bunch of, uh, shows hitting Disney plus originals. We've got, uh, Ahsoka now has her own series, which is going to be great. Uh, just a great time to be a star Wars fan and a nerd in general. That's going to do it for season two, episode two of this won't teach you anything. I really appreciate the support all of you guys uh, continue to give and the comments you make. Um, It's, it's uh, really appreciated. I want to give a special thanks to Ashley Eckstein for answering that question. I had, as always, you can follow the show at Twitter at this. Won't teach Instagram. This underscore won't underscore teach underscore you underscore anything. Email this won't teach at gmail.com on Facebook at this won't teach and thank you again it really means the world you guys listen tuning in and hopefully you're enjoying it thanks again and we'll see you next time on this won't teach you anything